Welcome back to the Ronnie's Awesome List podcast. Today I'm speaking with award-winning children's author and illustrator, Brendan Wetzel. Brendan will be making appearances throughout Marin County this week with his latest book, A Stone Sat Still, which has been selected by the Marin County Parks as their debut family-friendly story walk. From now until the end of the year, you can walk along the Mill Valley Sausalito multi-use pathway at Bothan Marsh Open Space Preserve and follow the story which encourages readers to look, listen, and interact with the area. Brendan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ronnie. It's great to be here. Well, first I want to congratulate you on the release of A Stone Sat Still, and for this next big step as the story walk. Can you tell me more about the book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. A Stone Sat Still is a book that is about a stone. The line that appears again and again is, a stone sat still with the water, grass, and dirt, and it was as it was where it was in the world. So the majority of this book explores how the creatures who visit the stone each have their own unique moment there. And depending on their perspective, how each of them experiences that one place in a variety of ways. So to a chipmunk uh, who comes early in the morning, the stone appears as this great dark shape. But to an owl who visits late at night under the light of a full moon and sees it through the big round eyes, the stone appears to be glowing and bright. So throughout the course of the book, the stone is experienced as quiet and loud, rough, smooth, as a pebble, as a hill, as a feel, as a smell, and on and on and on. And the book also explores time and change and environmental factors and how that one place also changes and, and, and therefore change how we experience it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned environmental factors because both in Marsh is an area known for flooding and is actually predicted to experience yeah. the impact of sea level rise. Has anyone here discussed with you why your book was selected for this unique spot and what they hope readers will take away from it? Some of the folks at the Marin County Parks Department enjoyed the book uh, and thought that it would be appropriate because one of the big ideas is this sort of metaphor for resilience and adaptation. It was really exciting that, that they responded to that and they thought it would be appropriate for this, you know, really, really cool way of engaging with a book. It is a really cool way. I, and I do love the book. Um, so how does it feel to see your book spring to life along this well-loved stretch of shoreline? It's incredibly humbling. One of my highest aspirations for this book is that it would inspire conversations about the natural world, about ecology, um, about the environment. And so the fact that really readers of all ages will be able to experience it for the first time um, with this backdrop, which is so tied to the setting of the book and also many of the ideas that are, that are kind of taking place in the book, is just very, very exciting. Um, I can't think of anything better. It is really exciting. And um, based on your entire body of work, you're clearly passionate about sharing the natural world with a wider audience. So what drove you to express this enthusiasm through picture books? That's a great question. So I've been making books since I was really young. My first book, which I made in first grade, was called The Frog. It was all about the life cycle of frogs. And I have been gravitating towards animals as my main subject matter ever since. I love picture books because I feel like they really help me communicate things that I struggle to communicate in other ways. A lot of the things that I talk about in my picture books are things that I've tried to share with friends or family or young people 
verbally and it just kind of falls flat. I'm not able to get through sometimes in the way that I, I'd like. And so, you know, using picture books and the kind of combination of, of words and images and bouncing them off each other often provides a great way to communicate that goes a little beyond my normal capacity in, in a conversation, which is not necessarily my strong suit. Well, that's actually a good segue into my next question, because your book illustrates different animal perspectives and oftentimes opposing relationships with the same rock in this instance, and also the rock's place in the world. And I love the way the different artistic treatments that you give each animal, which really, to me, enhances their interactions with the rock. But typically, I don't talk to someone who's both an author and illustrator, so when you're writing and illustrating, what comes first, the words or the pictures? Say, I was an illustrator for a few years before I started writing. And I think I illustrated three or four books before for my first book as author and illustrator. For me, uh, the process is usually best when I bounce back and forth. I have found, um, as I started to write, that bouncing back and forth between a very loose sketches and the first kind of lines of the book is, is, is very effective for me. So I'll usually do a drawing, maybe respond to that with a line of text, and then bounce back to the drawing and sort of try to, try to adapt that um, based on what I'm writing and, and, and allow that kind of that, that ping-ponging back and forth to sort of explore what I want to say with pictures and what I want to say with words, what, what becomes redundant, and hopefully that process leads to a more interesting way of telling the story. So I'm curious, the fact that you live in New York, you don't come across the animals in your books often. So where does the inspiration for these animals come from? All the animals that are uh, in a stone fat still can be found on the coast of Maine, which is where the actual rock that, this, that inspired this book uh, is found. The place is called Magic Rock, and it's just this, this big, beautiful stone that sits on the, the high tide line. Uh, outside my mother and father-in-law's house on the coast of Maine. So all the animals that, that you see, see in the book uh, are from coastal Maine. So I've skimmed through some of your other books and had like jungle animals and other things. Did you go to the zoo or did you travel or maybe TV? Yeah, yeah. Great. It's a great question and one of my favorite questions to answer. So I had a lot of great teachers in art school who really, really put a lot of weight on drawing from life, kind of reportage drawing or going out into the field and, and drawing something as you see it. Um, and I think that with animals, it always feels very important to draw the animal that I'm depicting from life before I sort of take it back into the studio and convert it into a finished illustration. So I, as often as I can, get out to natural places and always with my sketchbook in hand. I find it incredibly both important and enjoyable to draw animals from life. I will depict an animal a million times in my studio using photographs and then go out into the natural world and maybe see it for the first time and realize there are all sorts of things that I admit that just aren't there in a photograph, um, especially when you see it in its, its, its natural environment. Mm -hmm. um, so as often as I can, I, I take trips with sketchbook in hand to places like South Africa and Costa Rica and try to get out into as wild a place as I can and, and draw 
enjoy animals. It's it's kind of my like my number one hobby. I like to watch birds and I like to draw. I like to draw animals in the wild. So yeah, thanks for asking. That's one of my favorite questions. So you have a dedication to Ophelia and Callisti and um, in the back of the book, and I'm wondering who they are. Ophelia and Callisti are the kids of my friends Joe and Crisanti, and they are two of my favorite people in the entire world. And I have been meaning to dedicate a book to them for a very long time. So it was really great that this book happened at a time when they are probably at the perfect age to read it. So yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And- oh, that's so sweet. Well, speaking of kids, what are your most treasured books when you were a child? And today's illustrated books, what books would you put on your children's bookshelf? Oh, wow. What a great question. Okay, so... I have, a, I have a number of favorite books when I was a kid. You maybe hear you rustling around um, in the background here because I'm actually pulling mine off the shelf right now. <laughs> so I'm holding in my hand a really old beat-up copy of a book called Our Animal Friends at Maple Hill Farm by Allison Martin Provenson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of, like, one of my absolute favorites when I was a kid. It's sort of like a yearly life cycle of life on a farm. And, and one of the things I loved about this book when I was a kid is that it, it portrays all the animals as individuals. It talks about the, uh, the people who live on this farm and their personal relationship with all these creatures. And I think that was really, really impactful when I was a kid. I also loved, like, uh, In the Night Kitchen by Maurice Sendak. Oh, I love um, him. <laughs> so I mean, there was some, we, we read every night, and, and there's, just, there's, a, there's a huge list that it were just really meaningful books. Oh, Books that I've been enjoying recently is such a tough question. That's another really, really long list. You know, Carson Ellis is one of my favorite illustrators, um, like, of all time. I love Christian Robinson, uh, Quentin Blake, one of my favorites. John Klassen's incredible. So I was recently at the Eric Carle Museum, and I met this wonderful illustrator named Audrey Helen Weber. Um, and I just recommend everybody check out her work. It is some, she has made some of the most beautiful images I've seen in like years. And I'm just really, really excited to see what she does next. Well, I'll have to check her out. That sounds great. Um, yeah. What is yeah. the best response you've gotten from a kid? So one of the greatest things about this job is talking to kids. Usually about once or twice a year, I get to get up there on the road and, and, and have conversations about my books with young readers. One of my favorite responses was when I was traveling talking about my book, They All Saw a Cat, which is about perspective and point of view, and asking a group of second graders in Texas about their favorite animals and how they, would, how they think they would see or experience a cat. And a little girl in Texas stood up and said, you know, I really love cheetahs, and I think that cheetah must see the world as if it's in slow motion because they're moving so quickly. So if you were a cheetah, just everything would seem like it was moving like more slowly. And I just, it, it completely blew my mind. I really, it, it was such a, it was such an interesting way of, of thinking about that, that question. And I wish I put it in the book and yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those, it's, you know, kids are, kids are wired in a really, really, beautiful and interesting way. It's funny you should say that because I find um, your writing and imagery to be the same, to be very childlike and creative um, in looking at the, and and being empathetic towards animals. And I I, I just love the way that you um, connect kids 
to nature in such a way, especially in an environment right now where there's so much technology. Um, so why do you think it's so important for you to connect children to nature? You know, it's, that's such a difficult question to answer uh, concisely for me. I could probably write a book um, on why I think it's important to connect kids to nature. So you know what? Maybe I don't need to write a book because I think a person who did a great job answering this question is an author named Richard Loop who wrote a book called The Last Child in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I would, I would love to give you my thoughts, but I think actually if I could direct your listeners to that book instead, it was a hugely formative book for me and really helped me realize how important the natural world was to my early development and how crucial it is for all young people to sort of have access to green spaces. So yeah, please check that book out. It's really, it's really incredible and we'll do a much better job um, answering the question than I will. It is a great book. I've read it many times and it's, have you? it is. Yeah. It's a terrific book. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites. So um, what do you hope readers, both children and adults, will take away from A Stone Sat Still? One of my highest aspirations for any of my books is that they start a conversation and that the person who puts them down, you know, either directly afterwards or sometime in the future sort of returns to those ideas and explores them on their own. And, you know, a lot of the ideas that are, that are uh, kind of present in this book are, are, you know, some thoughts on perspective, on change, there's a little bit in there on how the environment and the climate around this place is changing. Any of those conversations, I'm really looking forward to having with with young readers, and I and I hope, you know, they're having having them not only with me but with with other with the teachers, with their friends, and other folks around them. Well, that sounds great, and I I certainly hope that um, this conversation comes up when you're out here. So I usually like to end with the final question, which is, what's next? What's next? Great question. Um, so a few of my books uh, over the past few years have um, explored the idea of perspective. Um, that's true of A Stone Sat Still and also my book, They All Saw a Cat. And I don't think I am done with that idea yet. There are some places that, that I'm finding really, really interesting that also have to do with how we all see the world in different ways and, and how that... that um, how our point of view and our perspective can kind of shift over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of good projects that I'm working on have to do with that. Well, I'm looking forward to reading them. <laughs> well, thank you so um, much. Um, I want to just say that Brendan's first stop in, is at the Mill Valley Library on Thursday, October 3rd at 3.30 p.m. Then he'll be at the Marin City Library on Saturday, October 5th at 10 a.m., where 25 copies of A Stone Set Still will be given out to families in attendance. Uh, Call the Marin City Library first at 415-332-6158, and this will be listed down in the comments below, to reserve a space and a copy of your book. One book per family will be given at the event while supplies last. Later that day, he will be at both in Marsh from 1 to 2 p.m. At the, as the story walk debuts. Marin County Parks will also lead another walk from 10 to 11.30 on Saturday, October 19th. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on to my podcast. It's so fantastic to talk to you. Ronnie, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.